Welcome to the Living Clean Podcast. I'm your co-host Mason S. With me as always is Travis K. This podcast is not meant to replace meeting, sponsorship, step work, or service. This is meant to be just another tool in your recovery toolbox. Our guests are here to share their experience, strength, and hope with recovery through Narcotics Anonymous. Thank you for joining us. All right, welcome back to the Living Clean Podcast. This is episode number four. I'm here. I'm Mason S. I'm here with my co-host, TK. You know it. And um, today we got Mr. Thomas G. Um, Thomas, what's going on, man? Man, not a whole lot. Uh, Just trying to catch up and stay out the way. I hear you. So what's your um, clean date and where's your home group at? June fifth, two thousand three. Uh, clean uh, is my clean day. My home group is Ghostbusters. We meet on Mondays at seven p.m. on Eleventh Avenue North in Nashville. Awesome! I love that Ghostbusters meeting, man. I've been there a couple times. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it too. It was oh. it was highly suggested from my sponsor before he passed uh, to attend a meeting that had a book study, and he used to have one of the largest book studies that we had, you know what I'm saying? And it, the book study ain't all the way kicked back since the pandemic and the attendance been low, but it's still been a good meeting. That's something good that we don't talk about a lot on here. We hadn't had the opportunity. So kind of give us what your experience is with that book study, man. And, uh, why do you like that meeting style? Probably about the first five years I went with me coming into the meetings. I wasn't even going to book studies. Like uh, I was almost kind of like intimidated by people who really knew the literature about, you know, uh, so like I always went in, I always was in an open discussion meeting. And, uh, um, and then when I ended up changing sponsors, I got a sponsor that said, man, you should uh, make sure you attend uh, a book study. It was his suggestion, but it was a good one. He said, make sure you attend um a book study meeting. He said, you should try attending a book study meeting at least once a week. So I started attending a couple of them. Uh, one, two, three, Cha 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 was my home group. It was a book study meeting. And I started attending Ghostbusters, which was my sponsor's home group at the time also. And I started attending that book study meeting. But but when I got to attending it on a regular basis, I found out, man, it was more easier uh, or more simpler to uh, adapt to this recovery lifestyle when I put that literature inside my spirit. Like when I'm, and, you know, cause, it, and I ain't knocking nobody else who just only attend open discussion meetings, but open discussion meetings to me now, uh, is like, it's, it's a lot of people talking about situations, you know what I'm saying? And when I talk about when I'm in a book study meeting, this is a meeting that talks about a solution to any situation. So, and it tells you exactly what to do, uh, uh, what you can, you know, fall back on. So that's 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 why I love like attending book study meetings. That's why I end up switching from one, two, three, cha cha cha, and then going to Ghostbusters. Uh, for that's just because they both had a book study meeting. Yeah. So Thomas, I asked you a question about uh, the book study. Was there ever a, a sentence that really stood out to you? that really grabbed hold and said, man, this is what I've been looking for. A couple of things that I hold on to real, real dear when it comes to this process right here is that our literature says uh, we tend to live what we believe. 
And uh, and what I got from that is if I believe in the literature, if the literature says I never have to use again, that's another that's another that was another very important statement is that I never, ever had to use again. I never, ever heard that prior to even coming to to the program of Narcotics Anonymous. I, uh, it, it is a blessing that I've only went to one treatment facility in 2003. I only picked up one key tag and I ain't found it necessary to even experience anything else. But when that literature says we never have to use again, and, and when that literature says we've never seen a person who lived this way of life relapse, when the literature says we tend to live what we believe, when I I believe in the literature, like it's the only thing I ever read in my life that talked about my life in, in uh, I didn't have nothing to do with writing it. Like I didn't write none of that or nothing. It was already written. And when I sit in meetings and, and they was talking like that, it was the only thing I ever been able to like relate to uh, period was is, is the literature. And it's the best thing that I ever read. So when it says those quotes right there, man, it, it give me something to live with and to apply every day. I'm going to tell you another thing that like, I like in there. It says we practice these principles in all our affairs. Uh, uh, I ain't used dope in going on 20 years. In June, it'll be 20 years. And so I don't use drugs. And now I know that my I still have a whole lot of situations that, that catch me off guard and knock me off my square. And the literature says, man, that the, we practice these principles in all our affairs. That means in anything I'm faced with, I can practice these principles. And our 12 tradition said these principles was just as valid today as they was when they was formulated. That means our predecessors used them all them times, all the way back then. And they're telling me that right today, I can still use what it is that they use. They said this, when, one of the other things they said is that the, uh, the basics always remain applicable. It means and, but one thing I learned from a predecessor is that I should never get away from the basics. Then I'll never have to return to the basics. You know what I'm saying? So, man, it's a whole lot of quotes in the literature that when I'm faced with a situation, it's easy for me to dig back in there and grab some, uh, no matter, you know, what situation I'm going through. And Lord knows in the, 20, in the 19 years and some change I've been clean. I don't face just about almost any obstacle you can face. I done been fired four or five times from a job. Uh, my wife died four years ago, left me with two kids. I don't have five kids since I've been clean and recovered. I don't have five kids. I got nine kids total. I had four kids before I got clean. I don't have five since I've been clean. You know, uh, my wife died, like I said, four years ago, left me with an 11-year-old son and an eight-year-old daughter who was now five and 12. Uh, I got a 10-year-old daughter. Her mom OD two years ago. Uh, both of them died with the same fentanyl, overnal, uh, overdosing with fentanyl. Uh, uh, so, like, yeah, man, it's, it ain't like I ain't had no tragics or situation. My mom just died June of last year. And out of all, my dad died when I was three years clean. And out of all those 10 years clean, I was homeless. And 10 years clean, I opened up my own nonprofit. Uh, called my father's house in Ashfield, where I run transitional houses for people now. And in 10 years, I opened that, and I was living in a halfway house, sleeping on somebody's couch because me and my wife split up, and I walked away from everything. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so it ain't like I ain't never went through nothing, but I, out of all those situations that I went through, I grabbed some from the literature, and that's what I held on to. That's why so many different quotes that I that I can use 
And uh, like, like I could tell you right now, I said, this is my favorite quote. And then 10 minutes later, I hide, oh, no, 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 this is right here. So it's too many of them. <laughs> yeah. Take us back to uh, 2003 and what did life look like before you walked into the rooms? Jails, institutions, and death. When that literature says jails, institutions, see, like, probably you probably you would never, ever hear that statement said to you nowhere unless you went to, to the recovery. Like, because I've never been somewhere where they holler out, man, you know there's only in jails, institutions, and death. Like, they didn't say that where I was hanging at on the basketball court in the drug houses. Like, I don't care where I was at. People never, ever said that. So, like, when the literature, when I got here and the literature says jails, institutions, and death, uh, uh, jail is, uh, was my pathway to treatment. Uh, and in 2003, I listen. I did two years in jail. I got out in eighty nine days. I was going right back to jail. I I got hump. Got I served advice and drugs, and ended up going right back to jail. I was so pissed off that I was going right back to jail, and not because I was doing the right thing and went back to jail. Uh, but I was so pissed off that I just got through doing this time, and I was going right back to jail. That I literally want to die. I didn't want to die because I was getting high. Like, I always remember your last day using. My last day using wasn't even bad enough for me to remember it. Like, it wasn't that. Like, but me going back to jail was way worse than my last day using. And I and I ended up getting clean because I got tired of going to jail. And, like, I still don't want to go to jail unless I'm taking an H&I meeting inside of jail. But I don't want to go to jail. I got tired of that. I got tired of disappointing my four kids that I had prior to going to treatment, uh, like just coming up, missing out of their life. And like when I got uh, a new sentence, I got assigned for a five year sentence. I literally prayed for God to take my life. Like I, I'm talking about out loud. I was walking back to my cell and I said it in a cussing matter. I said, man, fuck you, God. Uh, and I ain't joking. I'm not saying this because when no podcasts or nothing, my words was fuck you, God, man, you could have took my life. I literally wanted to die. And I didn't have the courage to kill my damn self or try anything to kill myself, nor do I, nor did I want to make a failed attempt of killing myself. Like kill yourself and you and your ass live through it. Then you got to, you know, you paralyzed or you fucked up, you know, because you don't really got the end say so if you're going to die or not. You just make an attempt on killing yourself. So I didn't have that type of courage. And um, and then it one man, it, I end up going I ended up begging to go to Davidson County Drug Court, uh, uh, which is known as DC4 here. It's a it's a treatment facility that you get furloughed from a jail. The only way you can go there is if you're incarcerated and you get furloughed to the treatment facility. And uh, and I went to the treatment facility. I've never, ever been to alcohol and drug treatment before. Uh, the treatment facility introduced me to Narcotics Anonymous, which was my very first introduction to Narcotics Anonymous. I was grateful to be in a treatment facility, but after 20 days, 20, 25 days, I was ready to leave. Like, I wasn't ready for that type of structure. I, I stayed in, uh, uh, man, it was the best thing. That facility, that treatment facility was the best thing that ever happened to me. No matter how much I try to pick apart what I didn't think was fair and you let this person get away with this and why the hell you write me up for leaving my clothes on my bed. I ain't pushing my shoe. Like all these damn rules they had. And I was pissed off about it. But then I realized later on, five, six years down the line, 
I needed that type of structure to live on my own because I didn't never ever live on my own until I was 34. I never ever paid a water bill, a light bill, never had a bank account, never. I had never even been inside of a bank. So I know I didn't even have dry. I didn't have none of that, man. And until I was 34 years old, man. And uh, uh, so that was the introduction to Narcotics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous introduced me to the steps and the steps and a sponsor and other experienced member gave me a, a way different uh, understanding of the of a higher power and the God of my understanding. It, I, I went into this program with an understanding of God. So it ain't like I created one. You know, when they say you can you don't have to do this and you don't have to go on your own grandmama's understanding, your mama's understanding. Yeah, that was all nice and good, but you can't ingrain something in a person's mind for 33 years and think just because I came to this program, I could just drop it and pick up another God. No, that ain't how that happened for me. I still believed in that God. It was good that I believed in that God because I, I made a lot of good decisions because of the fear that I had in that God, but now I have a more healthier relationship with a God of my understanding. And I know that it ain't no way possible that I could have the quality of life or live the life that I live had not it been for a power greater than myself and a, and a higher power. Because there is a difference between a power greater than yourself and a higher power. Because my kids are a power greater than me because they helped me on a lot of times make good decisions because I don't want to hurt them. I don't want nobody else to raise them. So when I think about me coming up missing out of their life, they become a power greater than me. The literature is a power greater than me. Sponsorship is a power greater than me, but it's not my higher power. There is an ultimate power that gives me the right, that, that gives me the type of life that I got. Not none of them, not no kid, not no gal, not the money I got, not the house I live in, the cars I drive, not none of that. Don't none of that give me the joy and the peace that I have. Uh, it's spiritual principles, man. It's, it's helping other individuals, man. It's, it's recovery. It's, it's service work. It's, it's, a, it's, it's just a ball of all of that, you know, and I don't know which one of them worked the best. So that's why for the last 19 years, I've still been doing the same thing that I've been doing when I first got here. I'm the unity chair. I serve in my home group. I still make coffee. If a, if a newcomer came in the meeting, they wouldn't even be able to tell that I got 19 years clean because I still clean up, sweep, set chairs up. I do everything that I did when I first got here. So so that's how my introduction to this program happened, man. And, uh, and it's been a blessing ever since. You know, something cool, Thomas, that you was touching on, like uh, since we've been doing this and this is our fourth one, every single person that we've interviewed on here has talked about H and I. That's how they found NA. And that is that is just so important that once we get our feet grounded here, that we stay connected with our home group and with H and I doing H and I, taking those meetings in there because that's saving people's lives. Uh, I was just talking about this at my home group last week, man. Uh, um, uh, I was listening to a guy share and they was talking about how they was all over the place. And, uh, and I remember being in the gym at DC four and a guy in a, and a guy brought an H and I meeting in there. And, uh, and he said one of the hardest things he had to learn since he was in recovery was to learn how to not do nothing. And I didn't understand what he said at that time. And when I got, when I left drug court, I made a meeting a day for the first six years I was clean. I made a meeting every single day 
for the first six years I was clean. I had been fired from a couple of jobs in between it. And when I had got fired, I, I, went, I made uh, two meetings a day because I called a noon meeting and then I called a night meeting. And I did that every day. And on Saturdays, I made three meetings because I called a noon meeting. Then they got five alive. Then they had Saturday night sundowners or Saturday night live. And on Sun, it was the same way on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? So uh, for the first six years and the very first time I ever missed a meeting, I felt awkward. But then my responsibilities was different. I got a suggestion from a, a predecessor when I first got here. He said, make meetings until meetings make sense. And I still make meetings because a lot of times to me, meetings don't make sense. I just don't see how you can sit in this room with 15, 20 more junkies. And then y'all come up with a solution to y'all problem. Like you share what you're going through and somebody else in there. And sometimes they don't even look like you look, came up where you came from, but they experienced the same pain and suffering. And they tell you how they got through or, or, or direct you to somebody they know and how you got through how they got through their situation and you take that suggestion and all the time their suggestions don't work because it's you and you're dealing with other individuals but it's worth trying instead of staying in your own mind so i couldn't wait to do h and i especially in the jails that i had done so much time in so when i started taking meetings inside the jail and in the treatment facilities Man, it was a wonderful feeling, man. And then I was going into jails and it was still guys that I had been getting locked up with, done time with. They were still going back and forth in jail. They was getting older in age and, and they were shocked that I was able to come in here and do this and and uh, speak. And and, uh, and then, you know, in the beginning, they think you running a scam. They're like, how many folks let you, you probably smuggling drugs or something. <laughs> yeah, they think you run a scam. <laughs> I said, no, man, I, I, didn't have to, I didn't have to prove to them because they had to know I was doing something different because I wasn't in, I wasn't getting locked up. I wasn't in the same places I used to be. I wasn't hanging around the same people that I used to hang around with. I hang around. I don't even hang around somebody, uh, not even family members, if they ain't got the, if they ain't on the right path. And when I say the right path, I'm not just talking about in recovery because the last reading that we read in the meeting, it says we concentrate on our new associations, people who are not using. That ain't just in NA. And it ain't the only place to where people don't get high at. There's, there's other places where people don't get high and they want to do something different. And so I concentrate on different people. I got new friends, you know what I'm saying? But probably 95% of my friends are in a program, are in a program, right? Uh, it's, it's, it, they are in a program. I think the program needs to be in school. I think they need to let everybody. I think once you get to high school, they should give you the step writing guide. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I'm going to tell you something I learned from the step writing guy. And the, liter and the step writing guy says this, uh, as soon as you open that book, it says the only way to do this, the only way to do this wrong is if you do it by yourself. And another thing the step writing guy says in the fourth step, it says you probably never have done this type of self-appraisal on yourself. Man, there's no way in the world except in this program that you would answer those type, ask yourself, or answer those type of questions. Ain't no way you wouldn't do that. Like, who asked themselves, like, like who really wake up in the morning and ask themselves, uh, who's an addict? Am I an addict? Did I did you don't that ain't what that ain't what you would do, you know what I'm saying? So when you read that book, when that when you when you read that book and ask yourself about your relationships, your sex life, your like your yeah, I mean that they ask some questions that you probably would have never asked yourself, man, you know. And, and it's a whole lot of pain and stuff that I suffer from uh, 
as just a human being and as a male growing up that had not out of came to the program, I'd have never got to the bottom of it. I'd have never ever, because I wouldn't have never ever, nobody would have never thought about asking me them questions that the basic, that the uh, step writing guy talked about. So I would always been stuck in a situation, you know, so yes, H and I is, 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 a, is a, it's, it's one of the most powerful tools uh, and the most powerful introductions to a lot of people in the program. Cause when I went to, when I was doing time and going to jail and stuff, I never went to an NA meeting. Like when I was doing time, I'm doing my time. I ain't trying to escape through church or in an NA meeting. I'm just going to sit in here and do my time, you know? Uh, but when I went to an NA meeting, it gave me a different perspective on life. It told me something different. And it, and it just tell me, it showed me something different. That was probably the best thing. I know it's one of the best things that ever happened to me. And I became a, a access to my whole family and anybody around me. I, I was no longer a liability. I was, people could trust me. My mama was, she thought I was a superhero. Now my mama bragged on me and it was kind of like bittersweet. My mama bragged on me and I was pissed off that she was bragging on me now because I wanted her to have that type of faith in me when I was young, but she was incapable of giving me that when I was young, you know what I'm saying? So it was kind of bittersweet. I liked it that she was doing it. Uh, I was a grown ass man going and laying in my mama bed and excited that, cause I wish I could have did that as a child, but it wasn't like it as, as a child. So H and I is very important. So what's it like, man, when you walk through those doors, they open the door up, you do your meeting, and then they open the door back up and let you walk out. Is that not like the craziest experience, man? Like shit. Yeah, that was the <laughs> best experience. That was the best experience. Like 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 you just walking there in your plain clothes, uh even just going I'm you know the good thing about it, the good thing about it is the whole like I don't, I don't like to take nothing away from that process. All the way from the orientation, when you sitting in there in the orientation to even get permission to go in the jail no was doubt. exciting. When they asking you these questions, when you telling them what you coming in there to do, who you coming in there to represent, because now I come into jail and represent a couple of things. I either represent Narcotics Anonymous, and I'm and I'm clearly a representation of Narcotics Anonymous. If I put that on the paper. Uh, I'm a clearly a representation of Narcotics Anonymous. I'm not Narcotics Anonymous, though. Like when I and our ten step says we don't have no opinion on outside issues. Narcotics Anonymous don't, but I do. You know what I'm saying? So, but I'm not Narcotics Anonymous. I'm a representation of Narcotics Anonymous, and I also take my father's house in there. So, like, but everything that I learned from my father's house, I got through the program of Narcotics. Anonymous. That's not a that's not a thing that I do today that I have learned today that I didn't get through narcotics and nothing. I'm talking about nothing, not how to buy a house, not, uh, uh, I'm talking about anything that I learned today was a direct result of the last 19 years of my life. And the crazy thing about it, what I used to be so ashamed of, like living the way I live, when they talk about the animalistic living, like just walking around, fuck the dentist appointment, I don't care nothing about no doctor's appointment, I ain't getting no shots, my, I ain't brush my teeth, uh, I'm hungry, but the moment I get a piece of dope, I ain't got no appetite no more. I'm talking about I don't take care of my kids. I steal from my kids. I I put everybody else in a bad situation. I break up relationships because you got to pick between your nephew and your husband saying I stole the DVD or the VCR. You got to figure out 
did he do it? And, and I'm telling you that I didn't do it like all the chaos that I caused all these people. It's crazy that the worst part of your life can be the best asset that you got once you get clean. Because now people come to me from everywhere uh, and they want to know about the worst part of my life and how I got to where I am now. But the worst part is what other people is what other people need to grab to know that they can get to the good part, you know? So if it wasn't for the worst part, I couldn't even be who I am now had not it been for the past experience that I had. Use it and the past experience that I had clean. Because when you get clean, you still got problems. Even when you drop the dope, you still got problems. So it's the difference when you're in the rooms and you're still sleeping with all multiple women and having kids by multiple people that you don't really like. So you still use yourself. Like I still used myself when I was in the room, you know what I'm saying? Uh, still making bad decisions, got in the debt, you know, all kind of stuff that I didn't never have to face, you know what I'm saying? Um, when I was on dope, because I didn't even think about a girl when I was on drugs, you know what I'm saying? So, but it was it was different, man, you know what I'm saying? But those terrible situations is what we use to be so excited and enjoy these good situations. Cause you cause like that's why I say for me, I still got the same excitement. This is no lie. I still have the same excitement I have today when I go to my house and unlock my door. I just did it. I just left church and I went straight home and I'm meeting a friend right here to have lunch out here. And, but I went home, my kids are over their godparents' house and I went home and the excitement that I get when I walk in my, my own house and it looked the way I left it. And, and I think about all the pictures that's on the wall for everything that I done did for the last 19 years, like, taking my kids to taking my kids on a vacation every single year of their life, like building memories that I wish I could only have. I got pictures. I got pictures of my kids when they was born all the way up to whatever age they is right now. That's not a, I don't have a picture of me as a child, period. I don't have no memories of me. I didn't have no birthday parties. Uh, I had nothing, man. You know what I'm saying? So I lived through my kids and it's, it's the most but this program gave me that. Like, I, if I didn't have this program, none of that wouldn't be wouldn't be possible. Because I didn't have a mother or daddy to teach me that. Because they were selfish in their own right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, I. But other fathers, other men, other businessmen, other women, all the people who been in who God put in my face and put in my path and put in other different meetings by me just being. Honestly, open-minded and willing to take a chance to share in the meeting and hoping that I can get the help that I need has dramatically changed my life in a way that I couldn't I couldn't imagine. Like I couldn't have really wrote the way my life is. Like ain't no way in the world that like before my mama died, she told me she asked me this, and I was torn about the question that she asked me. I really wanted to tell her the truth, but I didn't want to hurt my mama's feeling. Uh, my mama said, did you, and, and I was on my way to Puerto Rico. I, I I had a trip set up for Puerto Rico. And, um, uh, my mama asked me, she said, did you ever, and this is, I thought I don't open my own business. Uh, uh, done had five kids, had custody of several of them. Like she asked me, did you ever think that you would be doing what you're doing right now? My, my brain said, Tell her how you feel, cause now I couldn't have thought that, cause you didn't. She didn't give me nothing 
to make me believe that I could be doing what I'm doing. She didn't, she didn't pour into me. She didn't invest into me. And that's what I wanted to say. But my heart said, don't hurt her feeling with the shit that I felt. You know what I'm saying? So I said, no, nah, not coming where I came from. I grew up in the projects. I didn't see nobody ever leave the projects. I've never seen somebody successful that came from where I came from. So no, I didn't think that I could be doing what it is that I'm doing. And it's crazy that I had to experience all these life, almost death situations uh, to get up in a program of NA and then it give me exactly what I need for me to become who I am. Like, yes, that's so awkward to me. That's pretty interesting you talking about talking with your mom like that and those feelings came out. And I think that's one of the things that the program teaches is that, you know, we don't have to make others pay for how we feel, you know, and I, I think that's a huge step, man, that a lot of us can see the evidence of the program working because used to, if you did anything that really hurt me or made me scared, you were going to pay the price, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So that, <laughs> yeah, that, that's big, man. Yeah. My counselor told me that when I was in treatment, my, I was, I was telling her about the, the relationship that I had with my mama and my counselor said, what I want you to do is I want you to write a letter to your mama and I want you to say everything you want to say. Man, I went back to the pod. Man, I started writing. I wrote about a four, five letter, four, five page letter. And it was giving my mama the business. I told her how disappointed I was. I can't believe we didn't, you, we didn't do this. You didn't give us that and, and all of that. And, and um, uh, so when I took it back to my counselor, she said, now we're going to go outside and we're going to burn this, burn this letter. I said, shit, no, I'm not. I'm going to get this to my mama. My mama need to read this. And she said, I didn't tell you to write this letter to hurt your mama's feelings. I told you to write this letter so you can get all that out and try forgiving her. And uh, uh, I didn't literally, I didn't really forgive my mama after that situation either. Uh, uh, I still had some terrible feelings about my mama, but I did everything for my mama. I did everything for my mama, man. My mama, my mama thought I was a superhero. I bought her her first car. I furnished her house. I moved out of my house and let my mama move in when she lost her job. I did everything for her. You know what I'm saying? I took her to Orlando, to Disney World, and uh, paid for everything for her. And it, it wasn't nothing that my mama did specifically to deserve what it is that I did for my mama. But what I did know is that God blessed me to bless others including my family. Most important, my family, which is sometimes the most difficult people to help is your family. You know what I'm saying? Because then, you know, they start trying to take advantage of you and start trying to make you feel guilty about what the hell you done took them through and all that. And But I've been writing those steps, so I knew not to keep on paying guilt payments and, and all that. But I spoiled my mama all the way up to her death. You know what I'm saying? When she died, uh, I know for a fact that I was a hero to her. Matter of fact, she wrote me letter, a letter years before she died. My mama wrote her funeral plans out alive. And she handed it to me years before she died. I put it in a safe in my house. When I pulled it out, she gave me some instructions. I told my sister, I said, she's still trying to tell me what to do. 
she was dead then. She told me to look after my nephew, my sisters and brothers, a friend of hers, and she planned her whole funeral out. And I had it all, and I had it in an envelope years before she had passed. You know what I'm saying? So I knew that she had to think that I was a hero, that for at the end of her life, she wanted me to be over how it went, how her going away was to be done. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it was amazing to have them feelings, man, or, or to be to be trusted in that manner that she trusted me like that. Although I wanted that, that same trust when I was a child, you know, but it was what it was. We're going to wrap this thing up, but last thing I always like to hear is uh, what would, what's your message to the newcomers? Somebody that may be listening to this, thinking about changing their life, or maybe it's somebody that's been in the rooms for a long time and, and they've been disconnected for a while. Uh, this is another one of my favorite quotes out the literature. And it's the message of Narcotics Anonymous is that an addict, any addict can stop using, lose the desire to use and find a new way of life. And the reason why I say like that, because that's what that means. When they say that statement, it means you can lose the desire to use drugs initially and find a new way of life. But also, man, when you stay here, if you do the simple suggestions that's given to you, which is to get a sponsor, get a home group, do service, pray, and, and, and then those little simple suggestions right there, you can lose the desire to stop doing a whole lot of other stuff that harms you. Because once you get clean, the drugs ain't harming you no more. You know what I'm saying? You got to really buy in to doing something totally different. And when they say that a grateful addict can never use again, I can understand how sometimes a, a person can get in a situation and they can't see nothing to be grateful for at that time. But if that person was to call somebody, somebody can always give you some things to be grateful for. Because I know for a fact, you might think you got it bad, but there's somebody that got it way worse than you. Some it's There's somebody that wish that they could trade their life for your life. And now you ain't got to have everything, but somebody somewhere wish they could have what it is that you have. You know what I'm saying? So... If I, anytime I any talk to anybody, no matter what they going through, I say, man, uh, you, if you don't took a chance on anything else and everything else, Narcotics Anonymous is worth taking a chance on. And I mean, like, really taking a chance. Like, if you done done 90 days of exactly what was suggested to you and you don't feel no different, ain't nothing else getting better, uh, you hanging around the wrong people. You know what I'm saying? Because they told me when I first got here, uh, uh, Narcotics Anonymous and making meetings is just like having sex. And if you ain't feeling good, you ain't doing it right. And <laughs> 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 what a predecessor told me, I said, you, that shit makes sense. And because I've been doing what I've been doing, it feels good to be in the space that I'm in. You know what I'm saying? So if anybody, anybody ever re listen to this podcast, is I was just like I literally said, give yourself a break. Try something different and, and try to hang around somebody different. You know what I'm saying? The person who you hang around don't got necessarily be your demographics. You know what I'm saying? My sponsor is a white guy. He got 34 years clean. He don't have no kids. He ain't never lived in a project. He ain't never been fired from a job. He don't have none of my personal experience. But he give me some of the most simple suggestions that helps me in a different direction. So... You can't get somebody who got your sponsor can't have all of your experience. That's why that month said get you a 
is to get you a support group because some people going ain't gonna be able to help you in some of these situations. So I'm grateful that y'all got this podcast. This is a nice little podcast, man. Y'all, this this is a nice uh, speaking platform uh, to get the type of stories that y'all getting and sharing it with other individuals, man. I, I like this, man. I didn't know. I had no idea this is what it was going to be, but this was nice. You know, like what you was mentioning, Thomas, was uh, the fifth tradition was what you was, you was quoting from. And, you know, the last line of that paragraph talks about, that is all that we have to give is to carry this message, this message of hope to people. And man, mm-hmm. you know, when Mason talks about, you know, where people can actually get in and listen to this thing and just a small piece of hope, yeah, that's all we need, man. Yeah. And that's all we can give. Like we can't give nobody open mindedness. We can't give nobody willingness. We can't get nobody. None of that. All we can give a person is hope. Like they listen to what we say, because uh, that's another one of my favorite things. See, I almost thought about, forgot about that. It says we draw uh, strength and hope from experienced members when we first get here. And then once we get here for a while, we draw hope and strength from our own experience because we stay here and we go through something. You know what I'm saying? Then we draw back on that. And we that's what helps us keep on pushing it forward. Yeah. That's all we can give a person is hope. Uh, our goal is to hopefully get to the still sick and suffering addict out there in any way that we can. Just another form of, uh, or another tool that you can add to your toolbox. Thank you for joining us on our living clean podcast. This is another platform that we can share our message of recovery, which is an addict. Any addict can stop using drugs, lose a desire to use and find a new way to live. Join that no matter what club you can contact us through text. The number is 931 306 9364.